I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment. Elementary Genocide 3, The Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor, and when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news, and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back, and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool up cultivated roots media, and I choose to tune into Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now, our feature presentation Peace and Black Power family, this is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And today we have a special guest in the building, as you can see. And we have Paul Righteous Teacher. Let me give y'all a little background on who she is. She is an award-winning, highly credible educator and school leader with special interests in turning around low-performing schools in impoverished communities. Uh, she's a TFA alum and graduate of Harvard's Graduate School of Education Institute of Urban School Leaders. And she went on to become Atlanta School semifinalist for District-Wide Teacher of the Year. That's district-wide. So we're not talking about in a particular school. We're talking about the whole entire district. Pay attention, y'all. How you doing? I'm doing amazing. I didn't read your whole bio. That's fine. And this is a very extensive bio for those that can't see it. But I definitely want to take my hat off to you and I want to applaud you for the work that you do. Oftentimes, those that are teachers are not recognized. That is true. And when they are recognized, they recognize for their work 
and you have an incredible body of work. Mm -hmm. And to be in this field, you got to have a love for the people. Definitely. And all throughout Instagram and the posts that I, I, I see that you post, um, your love is definitely for our youth. Yes, indeed. So we're going to get right into it and we ain't going to waste no time. I got a few questions I want to ask you and um, we're going to do it conversational. We're going to okay. talk about what's going on and I like to refer it as Black America. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes that when we talk, we talk about the dominant society, but there is a such thing as black America because that's where we live and we have a peculiar um, relationship with this world. And a lot of things that are being done are being done specifically because we're black. Mm -hmm. Systematic. Systematic, right? And speaking of systematic, I want to ask you... Do you see the post-traumatic stress that is caused by poverty, drugs, gun violence, and government neglect in the lives of our students? Because I know you're a teacher. Mm -hmm. And as a concerned teacher, how do you deal with it? I definitely see a lot of PTSD um, in the schools that I teach at um, with the students. Again, I teach in turnaround schools on purpose. I could take what it is that I bring to the table and go anywhere and be able to educate at a high level. However, I understand the importance of having quality educators in school where poverty um, is massive, along with the performance of the students not being um, proficient. So I go above and beyond to ensure that I'm able to, put, you know, just drop these seeds and positive deposits um, in the neighborhoods where I work. Hoping you know that the students will flourish. However, um, PTSD shows up in a number of ways. It's like you have to think about what the children see at home, what they see in their communities. Mm -hmm. um, parents who are engaged in domestic violence. Um, when you go in these neighborhoods and you see um, these kind of not exactly murals, but the teddy bears and the balloons to say that someone was killed there. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, what type of effect do you truly think that that has on a child? I had a student last year to lose his father. Oh, and wow. to think that he came to school, you know, the next day. Um, you know, I was very careful with how I dealt with him, you know, thinking that there would be a sense of mourning or a detachment uh, that would show up regularly, you know, yeah. sad tears or something of that sort. But the child appeared to be more excited to wear the picture of his father on a T-shirt. Like, you know, yeah, you know, RIP my dad, you know, that type of thing. Oh, wow. And it's like, who is going to assist this student with getting through the loss? It's like, you know, it was apparent that the child didn't understand that that was a significant loss to him at that time. You think he had like delayed response? Um, it might catch up with him years later. I definitely think it's something that's going to catch up. I think that because crying, in a sense, is associated with a weakness mm -hmm. amongst males yes, absolutely. in the community, that that wasn't something that he wanted to buy into, the weeping, the sorrow, and things of that sort. But it's like, yeah, you know, now I'm going to rep for my daddy, you know, RIP my dad. And it's like, okay, there are a number of things that 
need to be dealt with in this situation. Um, and someone is going to need to assist him with getting through this particular circumstance because subconsciously, you know, you can continue to push things back, but when it catches up to you, it's like, you never know how a child, you know, that has seen so much and experienced so much negativity would yeah. decide that they want to deal with the circumstances. Okay, all right, I'm hurting right now. So, you know, is he going to go and hurt someone else? Yeah. You know, because I know for a fact, um, by way of conversation with his mother, that he's seen some things. Mm. You know, so I would hate for at any given moment it to catch up with him and he decides to do something reckless because he doesn't know how to deal with the emotions that he is truly feeling at that time. So let me ask you something. How... Or did you have a conversation like with your kids? I know the recent passing of Nipsey Hussle. Oh, I'm from the Crenshaw District, so it hit me hard. Um, I don't have a set home room at this time. So it's like, um, and plus it's GMAS preparation. So things are in a shamble at the school. But I am putting together a curriculum from, you know, the kindergarten students that I serve to all the way through fifth grade because I'm elementary school now. I want them to understand the magnitude of what Nipsey um, did for the community. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't one of those rap artists that bragged about, you know, jewelry and women um, and things of that sort. It's like, if you truly listen to his music, it you was know, inspirational. it was inspirational. There was a message. Um, he was teaching, you know, in a sense, actively engaged and being a change agent in the community that he was vested in, mm-hmm. you know, bigger than a backpack drive. Um, he was actively engaged in things that were effective. Absolutely. You know, that real estate. Um, and not a lot of people have really expressed, you know, the idea that was stated, you know, from his brother, Black Sam. Like, you know, the property owner came to us, like the DA, you know, is forcing us to push you guys out. You know, that's questionable. It's like, yeah. you know, I understand that there is a lot of gentrification happening in that area in Los Angeles. Um, they have a trail, uh, a, a rail line. Yeah, that they that now was coming down the center of Crenshaw. That wasn't there, you know, when I was there. You know, Crenshaw High School graduate. Yeah, you know, we kicked it, you know, out that way. It's a lot of things just don't look the same. So yeah. to have someone that's vested, that comes from, that's truly from the area, that knows the the value of sustaining what we had, because it, you know. It's bigger than the gangbang thing. Oh yeah, you he know was it's a, a mixed. Inc- hope. Yeah, it's a it, it, it's a mixed income community. You know, BB Moore Campbell mm-hmm. resided in that area. You know, you have some money over there. You know, it's a lot happening. So, yeah, Nipsey is definitely different. You know, we lost a gym, and the kids need to understand. You know what it is that he brought to the table, and how to identify the difference uh, when it comes to modeling yourself after someone. Yeah, I read an article today where the, it was a data specialist mm-hmm. and she broke down that he invested mm-hmm. close to $250 million mm-hmm. from all his various investments, whether it was Vector 90, which was the STEM program. Um, and Workspace. And Workspace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the store and all this, all of the combination of his investments, it, it was several of them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, none of them was music related. These right. are all outside of the music industry. So $250 million he invested, and they said that he either hired mm -hmm. or impact financially 40,000 people. This is one man that did this. Yeah, and, you know, that's why when, you know, it happened, it's like, you know, my life was at a standstill. Yeah. You know, I'm I still I, I, in a space where it's like... Do I st do I want to continue to do what it is that I do? You know, I come from a business background. Um, teaching is a second career for me, mm -hmm. so for me to, I sacrifice income, I sacrifice opportunities because I know what the importance is of service. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the impact of the lives of these students if they don't buy into what education can provide them. Um, I'm not one of those teachers that promote um, college in a way as if it's the be-all, end-all. You know, I try to make sure that I gauge and have conversations and build relationships with my students so that I can identify what their interests are. If I can assist them with creating a blueprint to go to a trade school or actually, you know, get on a path where they're truly able to see their dreams flourish in a way. Because it's not all the time that college is the answer for what it is that they Absolutely. desire. Um, you know, you have the boys that want to, you know, a lot of times be, you know, the rapper or the professional athlete. You know, ensuring that they understand that upon graduating college, because you can't go straight from high school anymore, there are seven openings in these professional uh, associations. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you doing now to ensure that you are going to be one of the seven hired annually? You know, so it, it's deep, but it's like, you know, when we lost Nipsey, because it's important for children to see an example of truth. You can tell them anything, but if they aren't able to understand what it is that you're saying, it's easier to show them. It's like I do a lot of modeling um, to assist my kids with growth. You know, I show them how to do. And Nipsey was one of those people who was showing everyone, you know, what he was doing. He expressed what he was doing in his book. He, he, he hid nothing. You know, there were no secrets. It wasn't like he was trying to secretly come up. You know, he yeah. made what he was doing accessible, you know, for everybody to learn from. And he wasn't one of those people that was boasting about, what he was doing for him, he did it for the people. He did it for the hood. So and that's what counts. Yeah, it you know it just kind of pulled me away, but um, it is refreshing to see so many people celebrate his life, and you know to hear them say the marathon continues. continues. But like I said, you know people say anything. You yeah. know I want to see what type of changes people are going to make behind such a significant loss to the culture. You know what I, I tell people and this is with anything right if we're looking for everybody to change we're looking for the wrong things correct but i think there is going to be a significant amount of people that take entrepreneurship mm -hmm. uh more serious and follow the blueprint mm -hmm. and continue the legacy of what nipsey hustle was doing and what he meant to the community where so that it's going to be effective that we will see it mm -hmm. but is you know when people and and I and I'm guilty of this when we speak we speak in a broad sense of we got to do this and all of us we got 
it's not going to be all of us. It's going to be a, only a chosen few. But those few is going to carry that legacy on. And um, I think that we're going to be in a better space as uh, people. But with that, it's like, you know, I would like to champion people to encourage those chosen few. Mm-hmm. You know, because the work is exhausting. Oh, you tell know, me about it's so it. much easier said than <laughs> done. done. And it's like, you know, there was a meme going around about, you know, there's a Nipsey Hustle in your community that you don't even support. It's like, you know, look at who is coming into these spaces and are trying to go about making proper change in the community. Champion those people. That's right. You know, support those people. That support doesn't always mean money. But, you know, let them know that you appreciate them. You know, pat on the back. You know, you're doing an amazing job. How can I assist you in growing this program? Because um, it's not easy, you know, to get your foot in the door as it relates to funding. But when you see these grassroots efforts, those are truly people who care about um, the future. And speaking of support, we about to go to a commercial break real quick. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we have our guest in the building. And she is a teacher, a phenomenal teacher that's doing a lot in the black community, and her name is Poe, Righteous Teacher. And the P.O. stands for Positive Outlook. All right. Positive <laughs> Outlook, family. Remember that. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. Peace and black power. Hi, this is Kofi Brinkley, a Georgia Independent Insurance Agent. Life insurance is very important for the protection of your family. In these times with the rising cost of living, health care, and burial, life insurance is more important than ever. I'm reminded of a client who assumed that they had enough coverage and found out the hard way when the primary breadwinner lost their job due to illness. Unfortunately, the family wasn't covered appropriately during this illness and the home was lost and the business was closed as a result. A simple life insurance policy could have saved the family the anguish of poverty and loss of income and assets. If you're interested in finding out how to protect your family and your assets for the untimely dread messenger death, please reach out to me on Facebook at KMB Independent Insurance Agency. That's KM as in more, B Insurance Agency on Facebook. Be sure to like our page. This is Shalee. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of the wonderful From Afros to Shell Toes and Sweet Tea Ethics. When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie Raheem Shabazz on a necessary Blackness Podcast. It's essential. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is the lowrider guru, Thomas T.J. Lofton from Compton, California. When I'm traveling around the world or I'm in the car, I got Necessary Blackness Podcast on checking out my man, Ryan Shabazz. Yo, what up? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Businessfully, Dave Anderson of the Business Bully Podcast. You know me when you see me. You've heard me in these streets. If you haven't, that's just me breathing down your neck. You are listening to the Necessary Blackness Podcast with my brother, my homeboy, my main Number one cousin from another oven, my man Ryan Shabazz, man. Get in, get your mind right because it's necessary. This is Siraj, founder of the Man in the Mirror Project, hanging out with Raheem Shabazz all the way from the UK, representing that Necessary Blackness podcast. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie Raheem Shabazz on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. 
Peace. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. Hey, what's going on, man? This is Arthur Emma Henry here. Whenever I want to get the latest on politics, social life issues facing our black community, I tune in to Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. All right, that was a quick commercial break, and we are back with my special guest, Poe, righteous teacher. Not poor. Tell him what it is. It is Poe, righteous teacher, positive outlook, righteous teacher, because it's important for me to ensure that I'm pro- providing a curriculum that my students can connect to. So it has a lot to do with being culturally relevant and uh, just exposing students to the culture from which they come. You know, black history didn't start on the slave ship, you know, things of that sort. And uh, simply making sure that they're bought in. That's right, because when you got education, you're not poor. You're actually rich in wealth because knowledge is wealth. And what I like to tell people, the black quest for education began long before the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence. We always had a quest for black education, and we will continue to have that quest until our needs are met. Yes. And right now, you know, black women, they say, are the most educated individuals with more degrees than any other ethnic group. So that's why when you be seeing those memes, when they say, if you want something done, let a black woman do it, that just ain't no meme. That's actually We got reality. it. We got it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's black magic. And as you know, the uh, mother is the first teacher. So anytime we're in a position to learn from our sisters, it's a beautiful thing. However, a little caveat with that. Um, it's what it's like, and I talk about this all the time on my Instagram page. You know, what are you pouring into your child? It's like we've gotten away from certain principles uh, that were valuable in the black family. Um it's like I'm in the mall today, and it's like I see, you know, the girls with the platinum blonde weaves and, uh. you know, the made-up faces and the insistence on showing as much skin as possible. So it's like, what, you know, are we pouring into our children? Yeah. You know, your body is your temple. You know, you shouldn't be so quick to overexpose it. And with the young men, you know, this whole culture of um i don't know what they're calling it these days as it relates to you know being hood or gangster a uh, uh, gutter gully you know all of these things it's like you know savage savage you know sav- yes it's like you know what what does that what are we contributing you know to our children um as it relates to allowing them to perform in certain ways um i have a little guy in my class first grader Handsome, smart, you know. Um, I know I know this child comes from something more and that his position, his circumstance, um, 
is something happened, you know, for him to end up in the space that he's in currently. Um, whether it be financial, you know, maybe a mom or dad lost a job, you know, they are transitioning, I can tell. However, when you are in a culture or surrounded by a culture of people and things, your mind is impressionable at that age. So he's picking up an attitude, um, an energy that is not in his best interest. Yeah. You know, so he's when in the first grade. He's in the first grade. Wow. You know, um, it just takes me back to a time my son was younger and he wanted a mohawk, you know, so frohawk. I allowed him to get it. But his attitude, you know, he went to take it on this cool and macho, and it's like, no, let's <laughs> roll this back. You know, that's not what we're promoting. Um yeah. let me get you back to that Caesar, brother. You know, you gonna act in accordance to the expectation. This haircut is just not it. <laughs> so I'm not opposed to, you know, the cultural things as it relates to the dreads or the braids, um, whatever it is that you are allowing your child to project, but make sure that it's something that benefits them long term. You know, absolutely. um, I had a seventh grader uh, that was, he was a thief. You know, I saw him take from a lady that would give him the shirt off of his back. Off her back. And it's like, you know, I often wonder where do children pick these things up from, you know, so early? Family. So again, it's like, yes. Yeah, so we have to play clo- pay close attention to what it is that we are allowing our children to be exposed to and make sure that we are planting seeds, you know, that are going to promote positive growth. And, and speaking of black children, um, we know that black children are the most vulnerable in society, right? And as a black teacher in the public school system, how critical is your role and why is it important to have someone that not necessarily comes from the community, but also shares that cultural connection with, with students? Because a lot of times, you know, we always talk about we, we need black teachers for black students. Mm-hmm. So why is that important? It is so important for a person to understand the culture from which the students are coming from. If you have zero experience in what they are experiencing, mm-hmm. how do you know truly what to advocate for? Again, you know, you could send Einstein into one of the roughest public schools in APS currently, and it does not mean that he's going to succeed in educating those children because Einstein just may not be able to get with the culture um, of these students, which is going to make it difficult for that connection to be made. You know, that classroom management piece is going to look and feel a bit different. Um, it's exhausting if you don't know it. I see it happen to teachers all the time. You know, they come into these schools and, you know, some of them want to be and make a difference, but it's like, whoa, like this is a lot, you know. (laughs) Um, Where does this type of behavior come from? So you have to be able to cope in a sense and be able to advise in a way where you're not being judgmental um, of what is happening or what's going on in the home, but tr- try to create a plan or, you know, an action plan for how to overcome 
those obstacles and become a team with the parent or guardian so that you guys can act in the best interest of that child. And that's very important for the parent and the teacher to work together. And as a teacher, you got to have empathy for these students because we know that kids are not interested in learning if they don't think you care. That is true. So that's the first step in letting these kids know that you care about them. But we're going to take another quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about homeschooling. But before we go to that, I know you mentioned Einstein, and I just want to say that there was an article online, and I think the individual was 13 years old, 13 years old, black, Mm. intelligent young man. And they said his IQ was uh, higher than Einstein. So I'm going to leave y'all with that before we go to this commercial break. This is Raheem Shabazz, and you are tuned in to Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast don't accept sponsorship from third-party corporations or influencers. We are supported by the people. If you are an avid listener of the podcast, consider donating to our cause. Go to elementarygenocide.com and click on the donation link. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. Peace and power, Black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are back from our quick commercial break. And I want to tell everybody to visit our website. Uh, We have our new apparel, Wingy Apparel. And for those that don't already know, Wingy is the movement. Wingi is a Swahili word that means abundance, and abundance begins in the mind. Wingi is the outfitters for freedom fighters everywhere, and this is a 100% black-owned company. So remember what Marcus Garvey said? He said, buy black, be black, and think black, and everything else will work itself out. So we are back, and before we went to our commercial break, we was going to talk about homeschooling. And I know that many parents are seeing the deplorable conditions of public schools and they are resilient in their approach to make sure that their children have the best education that they can receive, right? Um, I wanted to know, and and part of that is taking their kids outside, out of the public school system, and homeschooling them. So I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on homeschooling? I love the idea of homeschool if you uh, have the resources to do so. Um, Parents aren't paid to homeschool their children. There are grants and uh, resources that are available. So it's not an option that can be exercised by all. But I love the idea of homeschool because it creates an intimate environment for learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it creates an opportunity for the child to 
actively engage in projects that they normally would engage in in a regular public school. Absolutely. One of the things uh, I think that I see a lot more parents exercising a charter option over homeschool because of the lack of resources or funding, you know, to everybody can't not work, you know, and stay home to educate their children. But I would love to see more parents who are homeschooling potentially recruit, you know, a child or two from a low income school mm-hmm. and offer, you know, your services. It's like, you know, have a conversation with a parent, you know, about what it is you offer and how their child could benefit. Because students who are homeschooled, they grow in such great significance academically. Yeah. Statistically and, it says that those that are homeschooled achieve a higher academic success than mm-hmm. those who are go to traditional schools. And that is true because of the intimacy. And, you know, with that being said, you know, it, it it's a given. So when you see teachers in Los Angeles who are striking because they are forced to teach 40 students per class, wow. it's like, you know, <laughs> how can you hold me accountable for academic success of 40 children when I spend so much of that time trying to manage the classroom? Mm-hmm. You know, so class size, um, I guess what I'm getting at makes a tremendous difference. And I know that that's not something that's offered in the larger school district um, in Atlanta. You know, they don't cater to that piece of research being um, an advantage to low performing children. Mm. You know, the schools are the classrooms are packed, you know, with students with extreme deficits. So you're not seeing the type of gains that you could if the classes were reduced in size. And what you say is real profound and and real key when you talk about homeschooling and having that intimacy Mm -hmm. between um, the parent and the student. And like you said, you got to be in a position to do that. And a lot of parents are not in, in a position, but that's okay. Because when you take your son or your daughter to the grocery store mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're shopping, that is a life lesson. Mm-hmm. When you're cooking and you're measuring, you know, you're teaching mathematics. So everything is a, a life lesson. And whether you, you know it or not, you're actually homeschooling. That is true. But you have to think about the mindset of the parent. If you have one of those parents that are saying, hey, son, come here. I'm doing some measurements. You know, come and assist me, you know, with baking this cake or, you know, pulling this homemade white sauce together for dinner, you have to think about the kids who are truly suffering. You know, are there home-cooked meals being made in those homes? Mm. You know, so the conversation goes from uh, scraping up coins to possibly uh, going across the street to the wing spot or whatever fast food is offered in that community. Not just that, um... You know, when they get, you know, food stamps, you know, the EBT card, it's like, you know, food stamps is nothing to be ashamed of. You know, it's public assistance for those who need it, you know, for the Mm -hmm. time. I don't believe in, you know, it being a lifelong benefit. However, um, there's a financial piece that I would love, you know, to promote the parents that I serve to assist their children with as it relates to budgeting. You know, we're going to get this monthly, you know. We have to monitor how we spend so that we can sustain to the end of the month. But those aren't the type of conversations that are being had. 
You know, that's why parent engagement is extremely important in the school and communities, because those parents that aren't cooking or may not even know the importance of measurements or have that financial literacy piece that um, can assist them in removing themselves from the environment that they're in. You know, people need to come in and have these types of conversations with them to assist their mental capacity um, as it relates to growing beyond their circumstance. That's the key, assisting them in their mental capacity. And speaking of mental capacity, right, we know that education is very crucial to breaking the generational curse of Mm -hmm. poverty, right? And as a teacher, how can other teachers or parents, the community, the stakeholders in the community, how can they incorporate education and entrepreneurship so that it's one and that it's helpful to the next generation? Well, I would say that first you have to support the local businesses in your community. You know, you have to make an undying effort to ensure that you're supporting these black businesses um, and these people who are trying uh, to be the example for what the Poweronomics movement is said to be about. Mm-hmm. You know, recycling of the black dollar because when we can t- continue to support other people, you know, they don't market to us. That's right. You know, that whole Gucci campaign. It's like if they had someone in a seat to say, ah, oh, this is not going to go over so well. You know, the lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion in these businesses that we so quickly support Start looking for opportunities to support, you know, Black-owned businesses that will hire your children that can, you know, allow you to see how economic growth is possible when you take a chance on yourself and your people. That is very much true because as an entrepreneur myself, I, I definitely know the struggle of being an entrepreneur and it's all about community support. and for the last 13 years, I haven't worked a job, a traditional job for anybody. I have been my own boss, and it's very rewarding mm-hmm. when you can um, actually set your own timetable of what time you're going to work and what time you're not going to work. And what I like to tell people is that you might work 40 hours a week, but you know when you're going to work. I get to choose... The, the 60 to 80 hours, if I have to, right. that I'm going to work. So, yeah, I, I think entrepreneurship is, is the way for us and it's one part of our liberation in addition to the education, and, and it goes hand in hand. Well, I, too, am a social entrepreneur. Okay. You know, I um, am a nonprofit organization, which is uh, what Poe Righteous Teacher falls up under. You know, I sell garment and pens and stuff to provide free reading interventions or scholarships for reading intervention for minority boys over summer. And imagine not having the type of support that you desire when you are looking to do something to eliminate deficits in uh, reading deficiencies Uh, as it relates to children. It's like you would expect for people to jump on board like, oh, my God, this is a phenomenal cause. You know, let me support, you know, her efforts. But you don't get that. So that's why it's important for our people to support our people in in business, um, in service efforts, because these are the people that are on the ground to try to do something to 
make a better way for everybody. So y'all heard that. The sister has a nonprofit organization that deals with literacy in the black community. So we need to go out there and we need to support her organization. We're going to come back from a real quick commercial break. And when we do, she is going to give us the website and give us some closing words and how the necessary black family can support her endeavors so that we can make the next generation better than the one that we came from. Peace and black power family. We'll be right back. This is Raheem Shabazz. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblackness_podcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. Necessary Blackness Podcast is independently owned, and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from our real brief break right there. And for those that are just joining us, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and we are speaking about the importance of education. And I'm sitting here with an award-winning teacher that's in the community and that is doing some phenomenal things. So make sure you tune in to us each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And you can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and most of your streaming platforms, you also can check out our YouTube page as well. We are now posting to YouTube. And um, if you don't see us there, you can check us out on Instagram. You can check us out on Facebook. We everywhere. We are trying to be a dominant force in social media in those spaces because oftentimes that's where the people is at. And we have to meet the people where they're at. Right? That is true. So with that said, I want to thank you for coming by and doing this interview. And I also want to thank you for the phenomenal work that you are doing in the community and that you continue to do. So in closing, is there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't? Or is there anything that you want to tell us in your last closing words? Well, uh, because I am an educational advocate, um, that literacy piece is extremely important. It's important to make sure that you are reading to your kids, um, that you are having them read independently. Uh, the deficits with reading as it relates to African-Americans and Hispanics is tremendous. 10% of African-American boys and 14% of Hispanic boys are reading proficiently at eighth grade. You wow. know, as a teacher, I saw kids in seventh grade who weren't even reading on a second grade level. So cut that screen time, you know, assist your children in finding a book that they might be interested in. Reading uh, is the foundation to academic growth. Um, people, if you look at the data in elementary school, our kids are soaring 
as it relates to math. Mm-hmm. You know, they do extraordinarily well, but by the time you get that eighth grade data, you know, the deficits are so extreme and people don't realize that the, the correlation that reading has with that, you know, when you leave elementary school and maybe some of sixth grade, you know, you have those number problems. But when those those problems become word problems, if you can't read, then how are you going to be able to comprehend what the question is asking you? So Absolutely. there's a major correlation there. So uh, champion literacy in your homes. Um Teachers, you know, don't get exhausted, you know, with the students. Parents, if your kids are reading books that you feel are babyish or, you know, you don't get into graphic novels, allow them to read that text. Let them read what they desire to read as long as they are getting those words. You know, their vocabulary is still being built. When I tell my fifth grade students, uh, you read if they're reading a lower level text just to say that they read something, pay attention to the sentence structure. You know, find a new word or Figurative language, you know, that came out of that text. So mm-hmm. find a way to make sure the kids are reading. Don't demean them. Don't damn them because they're not reading what you feel like they should be reading. Let a child read what um, captures their interest. Reading is definitely fundamental. And reading is something that is very crucial. Because at one time, we was forbidden to read. Exactly. So we... You just got to understand, and it's almost like it's common sense. We're forbidden to vote, and we see the power of what voting does. Mm-hmm. You know, the same hand that picked cotton is the same hand that voted for a black president, mm-hmm. right? Now we, we have reading. You can read your way into knowledge. You can read your way into wealth. And I always stress that Frederick Douglass, who was oh, literate. Phenomenal. And he... Escape to, uh, to freedom based upon something that he recalled from what he read. So he knew about sailors. So he stole a uniform to blend in with the sailors who were at the docks and was able to make it north and partner with the abolitionists to start such an extreme movement. And as you mentioned, you know, back in the day, we were forbidden. That's why my reading initiative is called Right to Read. You know, it is right for you to read and it is also your right to read. It's like, you know, if someone tried to keep you from doing something that benefits you, you should find the value in championing that cause because it's readily accessible for you right now. Facts. So the title of my reading intervention program is Right to Read because I need for, you know, these young men to um, understand that you can learn almost anything through a book. I always say that experience is your best teacher. You know, experience the world, you know, through a text and grow yourself. You know, T.I. said that, you know, Nipsey was the only person that ever had, that had ever given him a book. You know, have friends such as that, you know. Yeah. And that book was circle. Message to the Black Man. Phenomenal yeah. book. Mm-hmm. For y'all that haven't read that, read that. Also read the autobiography of Malcolm X, another phenomenal book. And as you can see, I have a vast library. This is just in my living room. In the room, that's the that's where the archivic records is at. Yeah, I'm a bookie as well. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta have those books. So now the right to read, is that the same program we was talking about earlier? Yes, I sell the merchandise to fund the right to read initiative. My desire is to op, op, um op, at some point 
implement the program on my own, but because, you know, the fundraising mm-hmm. to do that, you know, I'm certified, I'm a certified gifted and reading endorsed educator. So I could do this, you know, I could create the program, but it, you know, costs, it costs money. money. Yeah. So, you know, I raise funds, you know, for that with the purchase of the merch. Um, but I am 501c3. So tax deductible um, donations can be made. You know, I tell people all the time that it costs $30,000 to house an inmate one. What I look to do with a minimum of 24 boys over the summer will cost me $24,000. Wow. So, Phenomenal. Yes. How, um, can, how can they uh, make these tax-deductible uh, funds to uh, donations to your cause? Where can they go and do that at? Uh, well, you guys can follow me on Instagram, and you'll find the detailed information in my bio. Uh, it's P.O. Righteous Teacher. On Instagram, I'm also on Facebook, Po Righteous Teacher. My email, one, the number one, Po Righteous Teacher at gmail.com. Um, my Spotify, uh, Shopify store, uh, T-shirts for education. It's Po Righteous Teacher, teacher for the DA kids mm-hmm. on Shopify. So purchase merchandise. Um, you know, find me on social media. You know, we can sit down and have a conversation. If it's a proposal you need, I got it. All right, Necessary Blackness family. You heard it right here first on Necessary Blackness Podcast. I want each and everybody to support. And if you can't support financially and you decide to follow the sister, make sure you retweet, you know, or share some of the posts on her page. And a lot of times, you know, your support is by allowing others and showing others what's going on in the community. So if this is something that you feel positive about and you can't support financially, at least share it. Definitely. You know that that's the least we can do. Yeah, and it's you know great. we 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 share news on celebrities, who's cheating on who, who's marrying who, who's appearing on the next housewife episode. Why we can't share this? Exactly, share more of what is a positive contribution to the culture. You know, the world is watching. And with that, I'm gonna say peace and black power, family. I will see you, same place, same time. But the only difference is it's going to be next week. Peace and Black Power, family. Mm-hmm. You want to say one more thing? Oh, no. Uh, it was uh, a pleasure being here. Thank you. It was a pleasure <laughs> being in your presence and learning more about your organization. <laughs>